chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be in Matthew a lot. Matthew 4. Just so you know, this um, I've been teaching the Wednesday nights since uh, 1997. So I've been teaching the Wednesday nights out here for 15 years, and I've uh, been the pastor out here, the head pastor, for 12. And so we're going to do something we've never done before. We're going to do an introduction tonight, and it's going to take up the entire the entire evening. It's just the introduction to what we're going into. So it's always tough to pick a new book because anytime you finish a book, you always think that's the greatest book in the world. So we finished Revelation. Revelation is such a wonderful, fun book. And so you start thinking, there's nothing like Revelation. What are we going to do? And you know, same thing on Sundays. I love Romans. Once we get done with Romans, where are we going to go? So um, I was looking at the list of all the books that we've gone through because I start losing track of when we go through the books. And so I had Nancy make up the list here of all the books we've gone through. And so I was looking at all the different ones, and I came across uh, the book of Peter, First Peter. And it's been 11, 12 years since we've gone through the book of First Peter. And if you were wondering about First Peter and thinking, okay, First Peter is going to be just like one of those other epistle-type books, actually it's not. First Peter fits in beautifully with what we just finished with in Revelation. Because First Peter has a lot of the same things that we talked about, some of the themes. First Peter gets into some end-time stuff. First Peter gets into, now that we know that we're living in the last days, what do we do with this information? And that's where you know Rose had that great prayer request tonight. First Peter carries on this thought. Now that we know what's going to happen, now that we know how the world's going to end, what do we need to be on the lookout for? And First Peter is a wonderful book that deals a lot with false teaching. It deals a lot with what the world's going to be like at the end. And it's going to be a wonderful book for us to go through. And it's a great book that we can do on a Wednesday where we can really stop and chew on this and have some give and take, etc. Now, but before we can get into First Peter, it's too easy just to start First Peter and say it's written by Peter. We all know Peter. We all know about him. He's the most famous of the twelve. We know everything about him. But when I was preparing this message and I was going through Peter's life, I tell you, we relate to this guy. I think we relate more to Peter than what we can ever imagine. When I look at Paul, I look at Paul as the upper echelon of Christians. It's like that's why Paul wrote, imitate me as I imitate Christ Jesus. It's like the Trinity, then there's Paul type thing. Because Paul is just an amazing man of God, of what he's done and what he went through. First Peter, though, is the guy, when I read about Peter, it's like, yeah, that's me. That's me. Peter's the type of guy I look at and say, yeah, that's probably more what I'm like. Real quick story, I was in Defiance today taking care of some stuff, and I was trying to get into this building, and uh, there was a couple in front of me, a guy and a gal, and they were right in front of me, and they tried to get in the same building too. And they got up there, and they got to the door, and they tried opening the door, and the door was locked. And I thought, okay, so it's closed already, that's fine. You know, I had to get going. The guy looks down, and he goes, they closed at 5. He goes, it's only 4 o'clock, and they closed at 5. And the gal says, it's 5 o'clock, and he looks at his watch. He goes, no, it's 4 o'clock. And then she goes, you know about the time change, right? And then he goes, what time change? And at that point I left. And I thought, that's the guy I want to be. He can go four days after a time change. I don't know what he does for a living. I don't know what responsibilities he has. But he's gone four days and the time changes happened and he never knew any different. He still had four o'clock going on. I look at Peter and I say, this is the type of guy I like. Just like that guy that doesn't ever figure it out. Peter. I mean, I know we like to elevate Peter. Guys, Peter, when you really study him out, Oh my goodness, I hope you relate to him. We have to understand who Peter is. So just some information on Peter here. First off, Peter's married. I always find this fascinating. Matthew 8, verse 14, we're not going to go to all these references. Peter is married. Jesus actually heals Peter's mother-in-law. She was sick, and so we know that he was married. We know that Peter is part of the inner circle. Peter, John, and James. When Jesus was transfigured, Peter was a got to go. When the synagogue leader's daughter was dying, Peter got to go. When Jesus was in the garden and he wanted his people around him, Peter got to go. He's part of that inner group. And we've joked about this before. Was Peter part of the inner group because God saw something special in him? Or is Peter one of the bad kids that you want to keep close? We talk about that a lot. Anytime we're out in public, now it's like, who's got Laden? 
I got Layden. Layden, you're my friend today. You're going to stay with me everywhere we go because we can't trust Layden in any way whatsoever. So is Peter the type of kid that Jesus says, Peter, you just got to stick with me because I don't know what type of trouble you're going to get into. That's relatable to me. But I wanted to start here in Matthew because we have to look at the calling of Peter. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. And they were fishermen. Then he said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Now, the reason I like this calling is because here's a spiritual point that we can take from this. Do you realize when Jesus called Peter and when Jesus, Jesus called James and John, excuse me, do you realize what happened? Look at this. Verse 20, they left their nets. And if you look also there at uh, verse 22, James and John left their father. What's the point of this teaching? The point is this. When God calls you, you have to leave things behind. And I don't know what your net is, but what does a net do? A net tangles you up. If you really want to go further in Jesus Christ, just like Peter, when you are called, you have to leave your net behind. Some of it's obvious. Sometimes people's nets are drinking. Sometimes people's nets are, are lust and anger. Sometimes people's nets are pride. I don't know. But when you come to know Christ, you've got to leave those nets behind, just like Peter does, and follow Jesus completely. The second point, look at James and John. They had to leave their dad behind. You may not have a net that you have to leave behind. You may have to have a person that you leave behind. Now, I'm not saying you leave them behind totally in the sense of you ignore them. This happens too much as Christians. I'm saved. Now I'm better than you. I can never talk to you. But the truth of the matter is sometimes when we get saved, we have to leave certain people and situations situations behind because if we stay in that situation we get tangled up i know people that get saved and they're walking with the lord but any time they get around a couple of those people from their old lifestyle they jump right back into what they used to do i've shared with you the story before i had this friend that got saved and as long as he was around good godly christian people on fire for the lord anytime he got himself around the old group of people big problems would happen. He had to leave them behind, just like James and John had to leave their dad behind, just like Peter had to leave the nets behind and go forward. That's a neat calling. And Peter had a big calling. Turn, if you will, to John 21. John 21. We're going to flip around a lot between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so just bear with me. Look at John 21. Look at the calling of Peter here. It's important to know this background because then as we get into 1 Peter, this will make more sense. Look at the calling of Peter here. John 21. John 21, let's go ahead and pick it up. Well, you can look here in verses really 15 through 17. This is Peter and, and Jesus making peace, if you will. We'll get to this point in a little bit later. Peter betrayed Christ. Peter left. Jesus came back and is trying to make peace with Peter. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's pick it up in verse 17. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now look at his calling. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. When he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Now this is an important point right here. Peter's calling... This is not a fun calling, guys. Peter's calling is this. You're going to grow to be old. Someone is going to lead you, and they're going to take you places, verse 18, where you do not want to go, and you're going to be a martyr for me. That's a pretty heavy burden to lay on somebody. That's a pretty heavy burden. So he has 
an amazing calling, but he also has this big calling by God that he's supposed to do. So now when you know this background, where Jesus prophesied to Peter, when you get old, someone's going to take you where you don't want to go, and you're going to die for me. Now, jump ahead, if you will, to 1 Peter. Keep your hand back there in John, because we're coming back. Look here at 1 Peter. Look here at 1 Peter verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's talking about trials and tribulations and rejoicing in them. So now as you read this and we get into this passage and these chapters later on and you say, okay, well, Peter's writing this. Rejoice in your tribulations. Well, Peter has to rejoice in his tribulations. He knows what's going to happen to him. He knows that he's going to grow old, be taken someplace, go where he doesn't want to go, and he's going to die for Jesus. I still think that's a pretty big burden to have to carry on your shoulders. He had that big calling with that big responsibility. And so when we read 1 Peter, knowing the background of him, he's just not writing it, he's living it. And that's the thing about this guy. This guy's been through so much because he has to know what's coming towards him. Now, I know for you and I, we sometimes talk about this, that, well, if we knew what was going to happen, I'm telling you right now, I don't think I would want to know what's going to happen. If you knew what was going to happen, you would live in this mindset of death for all of your life, knowing that on this day, at this time, you're going to die. Peter carries this burden around for the rest of his life, saying, I'm going to grow old and be taken someplace I don't want to go and die for Christ. That's a big burden. That's a big calling. And this is why Jesus spent so much time with him, because he was preparing him, preparing him for what this big calling was going to be. Now, Last thing I want to say about Peter, and this is our stepping stone to the rest of it, turn to Matthew 16. The last good thing I should say about Peter. Matthew 16, please. There's this great example here in Matthew 16 where Jesus comes to the disciples, and they're talking about who he is. So, verse 13 of Matthew 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Some say that you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father is who in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, which is a play on word because his name Peter means rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's amazing. That's Jesus. That's Jesus being impressed by Peter's answer. I think that's pretty cool. And so Peter gets this big calling. This big responsibility that he's going to help be one of the foundational stones of the church. He's going to be used extensively in the first half of the book of Acts to help spread the gospel and lay the foundation of the church. He gets to write 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And this is where we normally stop talking about Peter. We stop talking about, we talk about his calling, we talk about the responsibility he's going to have later on in life, and we talk about this wonderful calling that Jesus had on his life and the amazing things. And that's where we stop and we say, gosh, I look at Peter and I can't do this. I'm not like him. You said we could relate to Peter. I can't relate to this. Well, let's just read on a little bit further. Verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples, and he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Hey, that's the Peter I relate to. <laughs> I want to relate to the earlier Peter of the great calling, the great responsibility. But this is the Peter that has a tendency to stick his foot in his mouth. This is the one that we can relate to. That word there for rebuke in verse 22 means exactly that, rebuke. Some of your translations say reprimand. Can you not envision this? Peter is talking to Jesus, God, 
the Messiah, saying, Jesus, I need to talk to you for a second. Pulls him aside. Who pulls God aside and says, I need to talk to you? It reminds me of when my kids are doing something wrong, and I get down on one knee. I put both hands on their shoulders, and I say, look into my eyes. Okay, this is Peter rebuking God. I cannot stress this point enough. That's why Jesus' response is, get behind me, Satan. Because Jesus realized, Peter, you don't get it. The reason I'm here is to die. The reason I came is to die on the cross, and you're telling me no? <coughs> Excuse me. This is the Peter that we all know. This Peter of flesh. This Peter of problems. This is the Peter that says, I think I know what is best. And so now we've seen the victories of Peter. Let's talk about the problems of Peter. Peter was a very emotional man. When Jesus got arrested in the garden, do you remember what Peter did? Cut off the guy's ear. That's Peter's response. Now, how can we relate to that? Do you not respond in the flesh sometimes? Some situation's happening that you don't like, and so they're arresting Jesus. So Peter pulls out this sword, surrounded by Roman soldiers, goes up to the guy and takes him out and cuts off his ear. Now, there's a couple points on this. First off, number one, you're surrounded by Roman soldiers. It's really easy to look at Peter and say, what a brave man willing to fight for the Lord. Well, first off, who's he attacking? servant. <laughs> I don't think the servant was a threat. Number two, how good is this guy's aim? Cutting off an ear is not a death blow. I mean, if you're going to take somebody out, you go for the head, the heart, or something like that. This guy is a fisherman that can't fight, that can't even swing a sword to hurt somebody. And what happens? He responds in emotion. That's the Peter I relate to. Something happens in my life I don't like, so I just jump out with my sword. You want to fight? Let's fight. You want to have an argument right now? Let's have an argument right now. That's the Peter I relate to. Well, it's also about Peter. Peter can't keep his mouth shut. When Jesus is transfigured on the mountain in Matthew 17, here's this amazing thing. Peter, James, and John are called to the mountain. They see Jesus transfigured. He's seen in his glory. Elijah shows up with Jesus. Moses shows up with Jesus. So here are the two big wigs of the Old Testament. Moses and Elijah and the Son of God transfigured, glorified, and they get done. And what's Peter's great response? Let's build an altar for all three of you. Now, once again, that sounds good. But God himself from heaven has to interrupt Peter because Peter's screwing up again. Because by Peter saying, let's build an altar for all three of you, Peter is saying, I'm putting Jesus, Moses, and Elijah all on the same level. See, Peter is speaking without thinking. And so God the Father in heaven has to say, this is my son, listen to him. Peter has a tendency to think, excuse me, to speak before he thinks. Can, one more example of this. Can you jump with me real quick to John 21? Peter has a tendency to butt in when he really should butt out. Now, I know that none of you can relate to that. None of you are busybodies that have an opinion. But in John 21, we can learn from this. Peter is a man of emotion. He's cutting off the ear. He's telling God to build altars for people that don't deserve altars. And here in John 21, he just can't keep his mouth quiet. Now, we've already done the verses before this, verses 18 and 19, where we see a calling on Peter's life and the death that will happen. Verse 20. Then Peter, turning around, John 21, verse 20, and Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, following, who also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is this one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this guy? Now, is that not you and me? Okay, Lord, you just told me my calling. You just told everybody I'm going to die for you. You just told everybody I'm going to be led away. Lord, this isn't fair. I don't like this. Well, what about this guy? Look at Jesus' response, verse 22. Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Look at these three words. You follow me. It's paraphrased in my translation, Peter, butt out. 
Now, some of us need to learn this message because we pull a Peter like this every now and then. Well, Lord, what about him? Lord, Lord, you're convicting me of what I'm doing wrong here and they're getting away with it. That's not fair, Lord. Or, Lord, I'm trying to serve you and love you and my car keeps breaking down. My husband is still such a pain to deal with. My bills can't get paid and they have this blessed life. Lord, that's not fair. So we do this Peter thing where we start looking at everybody else and say, Lord, what about them? And God just says, you follow me. Peter is a man of emotion. He likes to butt into things. He likes to speak when he shouldn't speak. And he's a man full of words where sometimes he just needs to keep his mouth shut. The biggest example of this is found in Matthew 26. Turn, if you will, to Matthew 26, please. This man of emotion that just can't keep his mouth shut sometimes. Matthew 26. Here what you have in Matthew 26 is the thing that we probably know Peter most famous for. What we have here going on is... Jesus said, everybody's going to leave me and betray me. And Peter said, not me. Look here in verse uh, 33 of Matthew 26. Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, surely I say to you this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Have we may not made big promises to God? Lord, I will never do that again. I will never do that again. I love you. I'm serving you. I will never do that again. I always know when I'm doing counseling with somebody, and as soon as we're just a few seconds into the counseling, they're making all the promises in the world. I promise you I'm going to be the greatest husband in the world from here on out. I'm just going to go home and love my wife and serve my kids and family. We're going to do devotions every night. We're going to pray every night. Pastor, do you have any places you want me to serve at church? I'll start right now. Now, that's just a lot of words. See, Peter, I will never deny you. I will never stumble. Even if everybody else does, I won't. But what does Peter do? Jump ahead, if you will, go to uh, verse 69. Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You are also with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. Verse 71. When he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But he again denied with an oath, I do not know this man. Verse 73. A little later, those who stood by camp, excuse me, by, came up and said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for your speech betrays you. And he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know this man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, who said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Verse 75, is that not you and I? Lord, I will never do it again. I will never raise my voice in anger towards my spouse. I will never raise my voice in anger towards my kids. I'll never cuss like that again. I'll never drink like that again. I'll never look at those websites again. Lord, never, never, never. And then we do. And then we resolve is what? Verse 75. We go out weeping bitterly. See, we can relate to Peter. I think if we'd meet Paul, there'd be like this aura of Paul. Peter would be like, I think I can just sit down with this guy and talk. Peter is such a relatable man because his life is so in front of us of his sins, of his mistakes, and of his problems that he went through. What scared Peter to the point of denying Jesus? Did you catch this in verse 69? A girl, a servant girl. Have you ever seen a little girl that's like a maid? They're scary. And so that's what scared Peter. He was so scared by this servant girl. And not just one servant girl, verse 71, there was another girl. That's two scary girls. This big, strong, burly fisherman who just not that long ago whipped out his sword and cut off the ear is now scared to death by two little girls. Why is he scared to death by two little girls? Jump back to verse 57 of the same chapter. 
And those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance. You will always run into problems when you follow Jesus at a distance. That's the problem. When Peter follows Jesus at a distance, he gets into trouble. That's why it's so vitally important to your Christian walk that we're with Jesus Christ close to him daily, regularly. And with Peter, you see him getting into trouble. Why? Because he's following Jesus at a distance, and he's not close to to Christ. See, Peter is a great guy when he's with Jesus. That's why Jesus kept saying, stay with me, Peter. But when Peter tries to do stuff on his own, it leads to problem. Cuts off the guy's ear on his own. He's going to rebuke Jesus on his own. Everybody else is going to deny you, Jesus, but on my own, I would never do that. We're running out of time, so we don't have time to get in. But there's also that story where Jesus is walking on the water. Do you remember that? Where Jesus is walking on the water out to the boat, and Peter's the one that says, if you're really Jesus, call for me and I'll walk out to you. See, Peter is a man of action. He's a man of courage. But the problem is he's resting and trusting too much in his flesh. And so what happens is he walks out on the water, and we all remember what happens. He looks at Jesus, and everything's fine. But the Bible says he then began to look at the waves and the storm around him. And what happened when, Jesus, when Peter looked at the waves? He sank. Yeah. So Peter's a great guy for us to relate to, because how is this for a simple point? When I'm in the Word, when I'm in prayer, and when I'm hanging out with Jesus daily, I'm the good Peter. When I start following him at a distance, I start sinking in the water, I start making big statements, I start making big promises, and I'm cutting off people's ears. Not literally, but you know what I mean. We run into problems left and right. Now, it'd be really easy to stop and say, well, with Peter, he already said in the first part of Acts that he becomes this amazing man. We've already talked about that passage where Jesus said that I will build my church upon you. You'll be a foundational stone. And that's true. Through the first part of Acts, Peter is an amazing man. But do you guys remember what happens in Galatians chapter 2? Paul has to go correct Peter. Why? Because this amazing man of God started becoming two-faced. When Peter was with the Gentiles, he'd be all Gentile-ish. You don't have to worry about the law. You don't have to worry about clean and unclean. Just enjoy Jesus. But then when Peter got around the Jews, he started acting like a different guy. Well, you know, we should really follow the law. The Bible says that Paul went and withstood him to his face. Now, the reason I bring that up is not to kick Peter down, because this is what happens. Some of us have been walking with the Lord for a long time. Some of us have been walking with the Lord for just a little time. point is, even though we know Jesus and even though we're walking with the Lord and going deeper, we still have Peter moments. We still have moments where I can't believe I did that. I haven't, I haven't said that word in years. I, I haven't blew up like that at someone in years. I, I haven't been tempted like that in years. What happened to me? You just had a Galatians 2 Peter moment of where maybe in your pride you reached a point of spiritual success and you have it all figured out. And you don't. I don't. That's why Peter is so relatable. He has an amazing calling. He has amazing responsibility that God gave him. He, he writes First Peter and Second Peter. He has a foundation in the first part of Acts. He's also a man of emotion. He's a man that butts into situations that really has nothing to do with him in any way whatsoever. He's a man that has a lot of big promising words that doesn't follow through on it. He's also a man that can become two-faced sometimes. But you know what? He's also the man that when Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus specifically by name told the disciples, tell Peter I'm here. Because Peter had such a soft heart for the Lord that Jesus specifically went to Peter one-on-one -on -one after he raised from the dead to rebuild a relationship with him. Because Peter was devastated. We already read that. He wept bitterly after denying Christ. Jesus looked for him specifically. And do you remember what happened when Jesus saw Peter and Peter saw Jesus after he rose from the dead? The Bible says that Peter was out fishing in his boat, wearing his little fisherman's outfit, and he was so excited to see Jesus, he didn't even put his clothes on. He jumped in the water and ran. He loved him. He loved the Lord with all his heart. See, Peter gave up. 
after he denied Christ three times, the Bible says that Peter says, I'm going back to fishing. Now, how many times have we done that? How many times have we given up in the Lord? Lord, I'm tired of talking to them. I'm not going to talk to them anymore. They're not going to listen to me. I give up. Or I'm not going to serve in that area anymore, Lord, because it's just heartaches and problems. It's just not worth it. I'm done. Or, Lord, I don't even know why I pray anymore. It's just not worth it. Nothing ever happens. We all have those Peter moments of where we just give up. Jesus comes for us, and he says, I want to restore a relationship with you. We jump back, and we go to the Lord. We can learn so much from Peter. Keep these things in the back of your mind, because as we go through the book of Peter, we're going to say, okay, when Peter makes this point, we're going to say, remember what he was like? We can learn a lot from him. Does anybody have any quick questions, comments here on Peter? Brian, I think that was Jane, uh, James and John. I think that was the sons of Zebedee. They became sons of thunder. I think that was John and James that wanted to do that. The sons of thunder? Yeah, yeah, that's the way they were. And for some of you that have a hard time with your family, Peter also served with his brother, his physical brother. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Carly, did Peter start the Catholic Church? Uh, no, Peter did not start the Catholic Church. The Catholics believed that Peter was the first pope, though. That's what they believed, is that he would have been the first pope. But no, Peter did not start the Catholic Church. Anybody else have anything here? I hope you can learn a lot from this guy. I hope you find him that he's very relatable. That's why I wanted to spend the first messages talking about Peter's life. Guys, we can relate to this guy. Come on, seriously, how many of you have butted into someone else's business this week? How many of us made a promise to God? How many of us got emotional about something? How many of us had a moment here recently where we just quit, it's not worth it, I'm done? We've all had those moments. How many of us have had a moment where we've just let the Lord down and we've wept bitterly? We can relate to this guy. So now having this background, when we go through 1 Peter, you'll really see how we can grow from this book and we'll learn a lot. Your wonderful blessings. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you now, thank you for giving these examples of this type of guy. Um, Lord, we all have our Peter moments. Forgive us for that. Forgive us for responding in the flesh. Forgive us for speaking before thinking. Forgive us for our sins, Lord. Forgive us for butting in. Forgive us for all these things, Lord. We are such Peters sometimes. But Lord, just as you came back to him and you wanted to rebuild and restore the relationship with him, thank you for wanting to do that with us. Lord, we pray that we just have a heart like Peter to want to come know you personally and just be in love with you. We just want more of you. We lift this up in your name. Amen. All right, you guys have a good week and God bless.